Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster Podcast with hosts Amy and Kevin. And we are coming back at you this week with J.C. Lee Dugard, part two. Part two. Part two. J.C. Lee. Wow. Ah, the song. It's really... It's catchy. You, it, should, you guys should watch the video. And... It's downloadable on iTunes and Amazon.com if you can't get enough. And all proceeds go proceeds, proceeds. <laughs> all prostates go to J.C. Lee Dugard and she sends them back to you. Yeah. Slightly like, I don't used. want that shit. Yeah. So I listened to her second book called Freedom, my book of firsts. I think it came out maybe like three or four years later. So it's probably only four or five years old at this point. I can't tell you enough. This person is made of puppy dogs, rainbows, and ice cream. She is wow. fucking, I don't even know how she's alive. I don't know how you can run on those things. Why, she eats those things? I. She's 100% puppies and uh, rainbows. <laughs> I can't. She's so pure, it's annoying. I actually. Oh, I didn't know what you're talking about. Oh, you literally, she's not literally made of puppy dogs. I thought dogs. you dipped into the mushroom stash. <laughs> no. Her book. It's called Freedom. I almost don't recommend it because it's just a nice person telling you about nice things. It's annoying. It's like Mr. Rogers' daughter. But it's like the best ending to the shittiest story ever. So if you need something good in your life and you kind of want to have that uplifting feeling, I guess read it. Yeah, just skip to the end. She's so <laughs> good. It's anno- it's like I'm a- I actually was annoyed by it. Wow. She's annoyed by herself too. She even apologizes. She even says like, "Yeah, I'm kind of basic." Like, "Yeah." And you know what? She's it's like fucking Mr. awesome after Mr. Flanders. <laughs> she's just like after 18 years of fucking hell and you know, on earth. Yeah, I'm so fucking glad my life is boring and basic. Yeah. She's yeah. like, "I like the color pink. I like flowers. I like horses. I like kittens. Like fuck me, dude. Like who fucking cares?" Who doesn't like that shit? I know. Well, I don't know. Do you like the color pink and p- kittens? I could do without pink, but kittens and horses are cool. Yeah, she loves horses. That's the one thing I will say is she got the fucking best therapist team ever. I mean, everything. I mean, the state of California and the federal government fucked up so hard with her that they really had to provide her with the fucking best care ever and they just gave her the two fucking nicest therapists on earth who she went to go live with i think that the therapist was one of them in in some kind of monster with metallica i don't know i actually haven't seen that nice i know one of them's named rebecca and the other one is i think 
Oh, one of them is named Nancy, which she told her to call her Nanny Goat. <laughs> nanny Goat. Yeah, that's her nickname because she was such a nanny growing up that she, and she was a I don't know why goat, but um, greatest of all time. Maybe. She was just like, I don't want you to call me Nancy. That's like your fucking abductor's name. Or did she You're like, going to call me Nanny Goat. Eat and everything so, in sight. <laughs> maybe she ate a bunch <laughs> of tin cans. And her therapist's husband was a chef. And they lived, I think they lived in Ojai. And that's where I think the Ojai connection is, where they just had like horses. Did we eat at that restaurant the other maybe. night? Maybe. That was a nice place. But it was just like horses. and Anyway, so we needed to get well, back to the nightmare for a moment. if you haven't been to Ojai, it's horses and rainbows. It's fucking beautiful out there. Yeah. And again, I am not trying to out J.C. Lee Dugard because she loves her privacy. And after reading the second book, I definitely want to respect that and not and stop totally her. And totally doesn't live there. Don't even go. <laughs> There's a good chance she doesn't. I was trying to figure out from... She was stalking. <laughs> I wasn't stalking. I just wanted to go say hi. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to pet the horses. One thing that really annoyed me is that, so I've now read three books about J.C. Lee Dugard, two of which she wrote, but there is a third that I read actually before it all because mostly it was free on my my Libby app for my library, and that's why I (laughs) read it first. But the book is called Lost and Found by John Glatt, and I got to say, fuck him because I'm sorry, John Glatt, but fuck you. Wow. That's, she, <laughs> that's she very, how my favorite reviews start. She so purposely goes out of her way, so hardcore to keep her kids' identities secret so that they can have a normal life and not be the weird Stockholm Syndrome's mom's kids. You know what I mean? I know what you're trying to say. Throughout both books, she calls her kids A and G, and it's very intentional any picture you find of them online, their faces are blurred out. She has tried so fucking hard to keep her kids away from the bullshit media. Then this dingus comes along. He just fucking calls them by their name. Like, just straight up in the book. It actually, I'm not going to say the names because it fucking yeah. pissed me here's off. Your, here's their social because security numbers. I realize this is where they live. I realized I read John Glatt's book first before. So I just made that connection right now, going back and finding some information because there is a lot of really good information in John Glatt's book. Something like else. Like their names. Yeah. <sighs> Remember in the last episode, I said she, she wanted Alyssa Milano's name. She wanted the name Alyssa, which Alyssa Milano like wrote a letter to her. Really? Yeah. I wanted Alyssa Milano too. Yeah, you wanted something else from her. But she said that she very purposely wanted her name spelled A-L-I-S-S-A so that it would be a little bit different from Alyssa Milano's. And then this fucker, John Glatt, he just spells it A-L-Y-S-S-A. Like it ain't nothing. No fucks given. Yeah, I don't know. I just it really pissed me off. Like Glatt? He also... How much do you expect from someone named Glatt? Well... And he also seems to be a little too sympathetic towards Philip Garrido. I don't know. I was just like kind of reading more and I kind of, the book made me Maybe this is some controlled opposition. Like there's a lot of good information and things I couldn't find in J.C. Lee Dugard's books, but fuck him. It's, it feels very prying. And the book is probably a little bit more about Philip Garrido than it is about J.C. Lee Dugard, which I think is fine. Like whatever. But when it is about JC, it seems very fucking prime because she didn't even want to share parts of her story that he shared, you know? So anyways. Zero dumpster slams for you, sir. (laughs) 
So last week we ended on the print shop stuff and how she had access to the internet. And if she had, and yeah, it's, she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I had fucking access to the internet. I could have like emailed my mom or like whatever. But she just like, went to you're the man now.com. <laughs> what? It was like one of the first things on the internet, I think. It was just like a scene of Sean Connery uh-huh. saying, you're the man now, dog, over and over. Was that from? For years and years. Is that from Finding Forrester? I think so. Okay. Anyways, so the information I was trying to find was in John Glatt's book from last week that I was trying to say, which was, remember I was saying that like there was a woman who came in to get a print order from like a missing children's group or whatever. So I found it in John Glatt's book and I knew I had heard it somewhere and it was was in his book. So I'm going to just give a little bit of an excerpt from the book. So it says, on December 9th, 1999, seven-year-old Ziana Fairchild was kidnapped from a bus stop in Vallejo, California, which is really close to where J.C. Lee Dugard was abducted, which was about 30 miles west of Antioch, which is where Philip and Nancy Garrido live with J.C. Lee Dugard and her two kids in the backyard. Her disappearance triggered a massive police hunt around Northern California with hundreds of volunteers scouring the countryside for the little girl. Child safety advocate Janice Gomez, which I'm just outing her apparently, founder and president of the National Community Empowerment Programs Incorporated, was appointed as a search team leader. So she decided to update the group's child safety fact sheet, going to her printer, Philip Garrido, to his house to brief him on the project. So this woman, I don't know if it was like a sick joke or what, but this lady who was like in charge of finding missing kids, her fucking printer was Philip Garrido, which... By all accounts, he hmm. was the cheapest printer in town. Is but that, of all the people she could have irony? chosen. I fu- yes, that is irony. Ah, yes. Good job. Thanks. We had just been talking about Ziana Fairchild, who was abducted from a bus stop, said Gomez. And he said, next time you might want to add a couple of things. You know, children should never walk to a bus stop alone because they're no match for an adult. He then declared it was a myth that children were safer traveling around in groups. If an adult pro- approaches a group, Garrido told her, they all scatter and you just grab one. That's all you want anyhow. Gomez said she would consider <laughs> his advice, uh. but his strange comment raised no red flags. Philip was yeah, strange. you just need a bigger net and you can catch more <laughs> of them. He said the weirdest shit to people and people were like, I know you're an ex-child molester, but I'm going to let that one slide and not yeah. look in your backyard. Oh, you ex-child molester. You're so funny. At this point, Chasing I believe kids. that the Megan's Law was a thing and you could look up fucking child predators and your fucking Google that shit. He was so. just living his best life. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Philip was strange, she explained, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. But you wouldn't put him under the category of rapist, murderer, or kidnapper. So she must have not known. He told me that he had ADD, but I felt like he had ADHD. Oh, so you could fucking tell the distinction between ADD and ADHD, but you couldn't tell the distinction between weird guy and rapist? Okay. Yeah, he had kid fucker PhD. <laughs> <laughs> he had a PhD in kid fuckery? Yeah. Ugh, because he was definitely very hyper. Okay, good. good yeah, no, okay, whatever. I don't like this lady. After their meeting... <laughs> Garrido went into his backyard, handing a rough copy of the new child safety fact sheet to Alyssa, spelled wrong, 
to typeset and print as she typed it into the computer, she would have had to read the copy. The predators victimizing people today, stated the fact sheet, are using methods never heard of before. There is a need to apply safety awareness and survival knowledge to children of all ages. So bear in mind, she's literally typing all of this. J.C. Lee Dugard is typing this shit. And under the reported facts section, it stated there are approximately 850,000 children reported missing each year. Out of those, 4,600 abductions are from non-family members, and 300 of those unfortunate children either disappear for long periods or are murdered. That's ominous. Remember, ended the fact sheet, everyone is someone's child, and crime can victimize you at any stage of life. Let's get together to make a safer future for our children today. So what is this? That was the fact sheet that the lady, the Gomez lady, had. So she was. JC she typed that. Typed up. She typed that and made it flyers. I know. I'm just like one of the reasons that was just such a shocking story to me is that like one, he has like slave labor in his backyard from you know a kid that he abducted, but then having her do these things that were like clearly, I don't. I just. It's so fucking sad. Where it's just like she's reading about, I just, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. You know what I mean? So in 2001, Ziana's remains were found in a reservoir in Santa Clara County. Four years later, drifter and self-confessed serial killer Curtis Dean Anderson pleaded guilty to kidnapping, molesting, and murdering Ziana. He was sentenced to 50 years to life in prison, and luckily he killed himself in jail, I found out. The same sentence that Philip Garrido had received 25 years earlier. Because, remember people, Philip should have fucking still been in prison at this point for the rape and abduction of Katie Calloway, right? Yes, yep. Fucking fuck fuck. <sighs> there is one more encounter with Janice Gomez I wanted to point out. She ordered business cards from Philip Garrido as well for her child safety program. And the words child safety were on the business card. And when he delivered them, safety was spelled wrong. So she sent them back. A few days later, when he returned with them redone, the color was better. Oh, and the color was kind of off. The color was better, but the word safety was still spelled wrong. So I asked Philip, she said, why are all my business cards spelled wrong? And he says, well, my daughter's doing them. As he'd already told her his daughter helped out in the business, Gomez asked why he had had someone so young doing her business cards. Garrido thought for a second and replied that she was very smart. Well, she told him, she's not a very good speller. She's a good speller for six, he replied. The child advocate kept the misspelled cards as she thought it was sweet. What the fuck? Also, if I had a printer... And I was some kind of fucking child safety advocate. And I found out that my printer was using his six-year-old child. Like, even yeah, that I, is a I got fucking, my six-year-old chained in the backyard. That's a fucking red flag, too. Slaving away on these business cards. I'll go whip her a couple times because you can't spell safety. I have to imagine that that was maybe, I don't know, this is me just reading into it, maybe some way of JC, like, calling out for help. Yeah, like... Like flubbing up on purpose. Yeah, like come check it out. Like come yeah. check out the situation. Because out sense. of all of the people to fuck up 
bad on, you know what I mean? Like misspell the word twice in a row on two orders. The child advocate. But the child safety advocate. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just hate it. It like makes me so fucking sad. So uh, all of this, there's so many fucking side stories with this shit. I can't even keep it straight. But like Garrido kept a blog associated with what he called his, his like church was called God's Desire Church, like the church of one. I'm pretty sure he was the only member. In the blog, he claimed that he had the power to control sound with his mind. Hell yeah. Something he called Voices Revealed. Garrido asked several people, including his clients, to sign testimonials confirming that they had witnessed his ability to control sound with my mind and and a device he developed for, quote, others to witness this phenomena. And like he would literally post up like on the str- on street corners with headphones and trying to be like, can you hear my voice? I'm going to think some things. And <laughs> J.C. Lee says in her book, she's like, the only person who ever fucking heard the voices was Nancy. So uh, fuck them, you know. And J.C. Lee came out in her second book as being like, I am not religious at all. And I think has a lot to do with Philip Garrido's bullshit. I mean, she didn't say that part, but. She just made it very clear in her book that she's not a religious person. I I couldn't be after fucking... Yeah, he fucked that up for her. Yeah. According to Voices Revealed, Garrido believed that God had given him the ability to speak in the tongue of angels in order to provide a wake-up call that will, in time, include the salvation of the entire world. So that's why it was hard to say what the black box was, because... He speaks, it's not he's speaking to angels, he's speaking He's speaking in the tongue of angels to people through the box. That's why it's so hard to understand, because it's so fucking it's logical. Like <laughs> he wrote the a subsequent... Black cube of Saturn. <laughs> so after he found, like, this black box thing, he wrote a subsequent book about how this explains schizophrenia. I think it was called The Solution to Schizophrenia or something. Right. Okay. It's called, Why is Everybody Following Me? (laughs) So in 2009, the private area of the yard included sheds, which were soundproofed and used as recording studios for his beautiful singing that you guys got to hear last episode and will hopefully never have to hear again, two homemade tents, and what he had described as a camping-style shower and toilet. The area was surrounded by... The area was surrounded by tall trees and a six-foot-high fence. I've heard, I've seen it other places, an eight-foot-high fence. An entrance to the secondary backyard was covered by trees and a tarpaulin. So again, like, it was a fairly secluded backyard, even though there were next-door neighbors. Kind of Texas chainsaw Yeah, totally. Privacy was enhanced by tents and outbuildings. The enclosure was also housed a car that matched the description of the one used in the abduction. So they were, like, keeping it hidden. Electricity was supplied by extension cords. Law enforcement officers visited the residence at least twice, but did not ask to inspect the backyard and did not detect the presence of Dugard or her children in the areas of the property they did not inspect. Witnesses interviewed stated Dugard was seen in the house and sometimes answered the front door to talk to people, but never stated that there was a problem or attempted to leave. So weird. I know. While the family kept to themselves, the girls were sometimes seen playing in the backyard or as passengers in Garrido's car. There were so many missed rescue opportunities, including a 911 call about two young girls spotted in Philip's backyard. And the neighbor knew he was a pedophile and said that to the 911 dispatcher, like, hey, 
I have a child molester next door neighbor because I know about Megan's law and I know how to fucking look him up. And he has two little blonde girls playing in his backyard. I'm pretty sure that's fucking illegal. You need to come and look into this. And they didn't. Yeah. What's up with that? I No, I don't want it. I hate it. I hate it. That's why she won $20 million because the state of California is we done fucked up. They fucked up hard. They're too busy like banning fucking plastic straws and shit. <laughs> Well, this was before that. You but guys go to the bathroom over here, and then you guys go to the bathroom over there. One thing I will say is I did watch a video. Nancy did. She would, like, videotape the social workers and parole officers that would come by trying to freak them out. Of, oh, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, they just kind of wanted to get the fuck out of the house because these two people were annoying and crazy, and they kept, like, being like, yeah, he's not not violent, he's paranoid, but he's not violent. I don't know, it just sucks. They just didn't do their fucking jobs. It was something, I, I read somewhere, that there was, like, 65, no less than 65 visits from social workers or and or POs over the years that's that JC was there. Yeah. What? Really? It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, he was a uh, he was on parole for a lot. I mean, he was oh, on parole yeah, for many yeah, years, yeah, so yeah, he had true. to have visits from them. So on August 24th, 2009, Garrido starts losing his shit. And remember, this is after 18 years of living in his backyard. I mean, she's got a kid who's like 15 years old at this point. That's fucking insane. No. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. She's like 14 or 15 years old. That's fucking insane. He visited the San Francisco office of the FBI and left a four-page essay containing his ideas about religion. Yeah, he just started, like, doing weird shit where it seemed like he wanted to be found out to some extent. And he said the essay described how he had cured his criminal sexual behavior and how that information could be used to assist in curing. Like, he was trying to give his notes to the FBI being like, if you want to catch child sex predators this is this is sure going to help out so he did that to the fbi and then on the same day he went to uc berkeley and was trying to ask permission from like their events like department uh -huh. he spoke with special events manager lisa campbell and she perceived his behavior as erratic and oh yeah and he brought his two girls with him he was trying to ask about holding a special event about his God's Desire church or program or whatever you want to fucking call it in his crazy talk. And she was like, I'm sorry, sir, what? And she was trying to figure out what the fuck he was asking her. She noticed that the two girls that were with him, which were his two daughters, were sullen and submissive. And she felt very uncomfortable about it. So she made sure to get his name. And then she asked him to come back the next day. She made sure to get his name before he left. I wish she had just called police at that point, but I get it. He wasn't doing anything. He was just crazy. Yeah. So then, oh, I think while he was gone, she got the campus security people to, like, run a background check on him. And they found that he was a registered sex offender on federal parole for kidnapping and rape. So Garrido and the girls, when they returned the next day on time at 2 p.m., that police officer, Ali Jacobs, attended the meeting to, like, observe. Mm -hmm. The girls appeared to Jacobs to be pale as if they had not been exposed to sunlight, and she felt that their behavior was unusual. Garrido's several parole violations were a base. So they arrested him, and Jacobs phoned his parole officer to be like, yo, your homeboy, he's fucking weird, and left a report on the voicemail just being like, hey, if he's a fucking child molester, why does he have these two little girls with him? Again, well, well, like, I, I know these women keep asking these stupid fucking questions, you know? 
After hearing Jacob's recorded message, two parole agents drove to the Gritos' house later that day. Upon arrival, they handcuffed him and searched the house, finding only his wife Nancy and his elderly mother at home. Oh, yeah, during the whole time, the elderly, elderly mom is living there, too. It is like Texas Chainsaw. It's fucking weird, yeah. Then the parole agents drove him back to the parole office. En route, Garrido said that the two girls who had, company, who had accompanied him to UC Berkeley were the daughters of a relative and that he had had permission from their parents to take him to the university. Oh, he would do this thing where he'd be like, those children are the daughters of my mother's son. The so it daughters was daughters of, of my, my mother's, mother's son. son. Mine? Yes, yeah, so it was like a way of lying but not lying. Because he had a, he had a brother, so they're like, oh, "Oh, well, then is it your brother's kids?" And he'd be like, "Maybe." <laughs> Fucking weird. These aren't the kids. This, you're looking this is for. Philip Garrido unraveling. That's what this is. This is I think him. He was already unraveled. yeah. I mean, this is he's been slowly unraveling for 18, 20, 4, 25 years, but he's unraveling at a faster pace at this point. So. Although a month before, the parole officer had barred Greedo from associating with minors, and although Berkeley... Oh, yeah, and also Berkeley was 40 miles away from his residence, which was more more than the 25 miles away he was allowed without asking permission. So, like, he was already breaking two things in his parole, but nothing was done about these violations. So, again, like, just more fuel for the fire for why California fucked her over so hard, because... If he had been even, like, looked at or taken into custody, like, she could have been found so much sooner. Greedo arrived to the parole office in Concord, California on August 26th with Nancy, the two girls, and Dugard. He actually brought her. And she was introduced as Alyssa. The parole officer decided to separate Greedo from the women and and all of the girls to obtain their identification. And this is the last chunk I'm going to be taking from J.C. Lee Dugard's first book called... A stolen life. And this is her account of everything happening. She said, A new female officer came, and the kids and Nancy were separated from me. In some strange way, it felt like I had become the suspect. I was alone in a room all by myself. I thought I would never see my kids again. The officer thought I had taken the kids and run away from somewhere. The officer said that if I didn't tell them my name and the truth, it would be taken down to the police station. I would be taken down to the police station and fingerprinted, and then they would find out who I was. I didn't know what to do. I asked to see Philip. She, yeah, she's like, this chick was afraid to breathe without like getting his permission. Did he beat her and stuff? No, but she was 11, and that's why there's we'll get into it later but the whole like stockholm syndrome thing which she gets fucking furious when people like accuse her of it because she was just like dude i was brainwashed by this motherfucker like from the time she was 11 to the time she was 29 she was with him every fucking second of the day and she was dependent on him for everything and like she had his babies you know that's so crazy i know So they brought him in handcuffs into the room I was in. I looked at him. I asked him in front of the officers what I should do. I told them that they might take the girls away from me, and I couldn't let that happen. I didn't know what to do. He had always been one. He had always been the one with the answers. Now all he did was look at me with dead eyes and said that I needed to get a lawyer. They took him away. There's another like memoir thing I read, and he like winks at her. 
Like, you'll know what to do kind of a thing. (laughs) After what seemed like another hour of me sitting in a room by myself, apparently giving me time to think about my situation, they sent a woman police officer to come talk to me. During that time alone, I was beginning to realize that Philip was gone and I was on my own and needed to take care of my girls. But I had been so conditioned to protect Philip and Nancy that telling a stranger my story was not easy for me and I could not do it at first. I had asked for a lawyer several times, but the answer I kept getting was, why did I think I needed a lawyer if if I didn't do anything wrong? The woman officer was sympathetic and reassured me that my kids were okay and that I would see them again. I told her I didn't know what to do. She asked me again for my name, and I couldn't tell her. Remember, she hasn't said her name in fucking 18 years. She told me everything happens for a reason and that everything was going to be okay. She left. I was alone again. She came back a while later. It felt like an eternity. I must have gone to the bathroom a million times. When she returned, she tells me Philip has confessed. She said he confessed to kidnapping you several years ago. She asked me again for my name and asked how old I was when I was kidnapped. I felt like I had been waiting for the right question and said that I was 11 and that I was 29 now. She was shocked. She asked for my name again. I said I couldn't say it. I wasn't trying to be difficult. I told her I haven't said it in 18 years. I told her I could write it down. Oh, that, that gets so me. That's so crazy. That's how fucking condi- – she was terrified. She thought like she would be killed if she said her name, you know? I wasn't um, – and so – and that's what I did. Writing shakily on that small paper, the letters of my name, J-A-Y-C-E-E-L-E-E-D-U-G-A-R-D. It was like breaking breaking an evil spell. In that moment, I felt free, but also exhausted and completely alive at the same time. Talk about an emotional roller coaster. I wrote down my name for the first time in 18 years. She also had me write down the, my birth date and my mother's name. I looked her at her and said, I can see my mom. And she said, yes. After they had my name and realized who I was, they quickly reunited me with my girls. I was so relieved. Plans were made to take me and the girls over to the Concord police station where everyone thought we'd be more comfortable. So kind of long story short, JC and her mom reunite. She immediately is like, I have two kids. I want you to love them as much as I do, you know? Yeah. Philip Greedo was sentenced to 431 years to life in prison in the kidnapping and sexual assault of J.C. Dugard. And Greedo, what did she get? Was sentenced earlier that day to 36 years to life in prison for her role in the abduction rape. Dugard decided not to appear in court during the sentencings, but she did have her mom read a statement for her. And I don't want to read the whole thing, but if you do get a chance and you want to go further into the story, it's it's really she like I, what I love about J.C. Lee Dugard and her mom is that they don't. And again, this is my thing with Elizabeth Smart is that Elizabeth Smart is like, I forgive you, blah, blah, blah. But she's in a very different like. Position that 
Elizabeth Smart was in, she was abducted for fucking 18 years and had two kids. And like her whole life was taken from her. This is from her mom. This is from Terry Brobin. She says, I hate you both for the torment and anguish you put my daughter, myself and my family through. I am nauseous at the thought of the sexual exploitation and the brutal abuse she endured at your uncaring hand. I am sickened by the reality she had to suffer your cruel and heartless imprisonment for so long. You are the epitome of disgust and no amount of jail time or even death will cleanse your corrupt souls. You do not deserve to live or die or even exist. You are nothing other than selfish, self-serving, self-gratifying monsters. She added that the Greedos will never see J.C. Dugard's two daughters again. (laughs) I love it. Her mom was like, fuck all y'all forever and ever and ever. Yeah, good. Yeah. There's just a couple of things I wanted to share from her second book that I just read uh, yesterday and today. And again, it's called Freedom, My Book of Firsts. And like I was saying, if you want like kind of a light, well, she doesn't really talk about Philip and Nancy very much in it other than just like, yeah, that shit happened and I don't want to talk about it anymore. But one thing I just wanted to share was, and because it's something we talked about in the last episode, which is she would constantly get confused with Elizabeth Smart and Amanda Berry because they were all like cute blonde girls that were abducted. (laughs) I think that there is a part of her that's like, nah, twice as like, like the Amanda Berry, Dina, Gina De Jesus and Michelle Knight. Yes. Were abducted for about a decade, which fucking sucks. Nothing to shake a stick at. Yes. Elizabeth Smart, I think it was something like eight or nine months. It was just shy of a year. So there is a part of J.C. Dugard and undeniably that was like, yeah, I did more time than all y'all combined. You know what I mean? Like, she's kind of like, I don't want to get confused with people. Is this a contest? And like, she's she's careful not to like, so I'll just read the beginning. I thought it was, I thought, I think she's funny. She starts all of her like speeches and like books off with i am jc lee dugard and it's just she's just so tired of being confused with other people so the introduction of her book says hi again for those of you who read my first book a stolen life i would like to thank you for your huge amount of support some of you however and you know who you are still can't quite remember who i am no i am not a dugger I do not have 18 siblings. Let's get one thing straight. My last name is Dugard. (laughs) Because I guess this was during a time where I think it was like a polygamous thing. And it was the Duggar family. And there were like 18 siblings. And everyone (laughs) like kept thinking it was she was one of them. Because the last names are sort of similar. And they were all, I think, blonde and stuff. And very short. And J.C. Lee Dugard's about five feet tall. Many confuse me and my story with Elizabeth Smart. Just for the record, I am not Elizabeth Smart. Even though we both have blonde hair, we have had vastly different lives and experiences. I'm the one who was captive for 18 years, not months. Not to say that she went what she went through wasn't as bad as what I did. I'm not comparing her, us, but some have. I just think it's funny that she's like, I'm not comparing us, but I'm comparing us. Right. And I was in there way fucking longer. 
Believe it or not, I have also been mistaken for one of the girls held captive by Ariel Castro in Cleveland. Apart from being held by a deranged man for a number of years, I'm not sure how I get confused with these brave ladies. Amanda Berry, Dina, Gina, I want to say Dina J. Jesus, Gina de Jesus and Michelle Knight. She did eventually meet Gina and Amanda and she talks about it and they were brought out by John McCain. And what? I know it was like at some like better like, than Joe it was, Biden. <laughs> it was like some hope award thing. You'd have been busy smelling hair. But the re- you know why he they were brought out by him, right? He was a prisoner of war. Oh right, that's right. For like I think he besides I want to say he's even out outlasted Bo Bergdahl, but I think he's like the longest prisoner of war who was held captive for that long. I think he was like a prisoner of war for like eight to ten years or something crazy. It was years, I know that much, but he's he has some kind of record on that. Well, he got his payback. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> he's got all kinds of things. He was a war hawk. He was always about bombing other countries. Yeah. So I just thought it was like, it was just interesting that like of all the people to introduce the women together at like an award ceremony, they specifically picked John McCain because he had been a prisoner. He was like, hey. I was in captivity too. Like, hey, we yeah. have something in common. High and five. she's like, yeah, that's what they basically did. She said <laughs> that it was kind of funny. Believe it. So this is, I'm continuing on. When I first recovered, it was hard to put into words what me and my daughters had been through. I wasn't really the talkative type back then. Up until that point, Philip had done most of the talking throughout the 18 years of captivity. And it was mostly in the form of lectures and his idea of daily sermons. I mostly talked with the girls, and that was it. To have so many people talk all of a sudden was overwhelming. I gave these men and women the bare essentials of what happened. It wasn't until I met Rebecca Bailey that I really wanted to open up. So she talks about how Rebecca Bailey and Nanny Goat. um, Nanny Goat. And, like, a bunch of other people. They, like, it's crazy. They become, like, her best friends, and they go everywhere with her, and she lives with them for long periods of time. And how she just needed daily therapy for fucking ever, you know. And I think she still either lives with them for periods of time or whatever. But basically between like the most intensive therapy ever and horses and puppies and kittens and just soft furry things and lots of travel and volunteering in other countries. And she's just able to like build herself back up into quite possibly the nicest person in the whole world. I cannot believe how incredibly kind she is. She cusses like a total of two times in the book and it's to call Philip a fucker basically, which I think is pretty funny. She also does talk about how she spends a lot of her time being an advocate for not, for kind of dispelling the myth of Stockholm syndrome and how it's not, you don't fall in love with your abductor. And so her and these other professors from Harvard would present these academic papers from all over. And that's the thing that she becomes super duper passionate about for pretty much the rest of her life. She starts her own foundation called, now I'm forgetting, it's the Jace Foundation. And it's, it's, she wanted her name in it, but she kind of didn't want her name in it. So it's J-A-Y-C. I think it's just, I think it's just something you care. Like now I'm forgetting it, but it just ask, just just it's like just fucking care about people. It's I think that's guard. <laughs> no, it's basically like give a fuck about people foundation. And <laughs> what it is, is she's she's on the board of directors and everything. I like the name. So yeah. Give catchy. a fuck about people foundation. And what they do is they help 
families with intensive therapy that have gone through some kind of traumatic thing, whether it's, you know, their kid coming back from being abducted, which they've taken on cases like that to trying to mend like a broken home in some way. And she's like, we can't help everyone, but we help a lot of people. And the symbol to her foundation is the pine cone. So pineal gland. Yep. The third eye. So has nothing to do with this story. <laughs> no, no, it does not. I was trying to like really make it work, but like she's too not, much fluoride in the water. I don't even think she's like much of a spiritual person. I think that she is just thankful to be alive. And she said, you know, people always ask her, you know, like, how did you get through it? And, she, you know, how, how are you able to rebuild your life afterwards? And she's like, you know, you can fucking hate me for being cheesy and basic. But my only answer is one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, and then one year at a time. Like I, for the longest time, couldn't see past that day. And then once I could start doing that, I moved on to weeks at a time. And then once I could do that, I moved on to months at a time. And I've just finally gotten to a place where I can look at years at a time. Both of her daughters are in college now or possibly even done with college, you know, and it's just like she's just fucking finding herself like the first time ever. She doesn't have a psycho and she calls them psychos the entire time throughout the book. She refers to like Philip and Nancy as like those psychos I lived with. So I think I like her sense of humor and everything. And the fact that she even has a sense of humor is fucking great. Yeah. But yeah, if you want kind of an uplifting read, it's definitely that. But she even says herself, I'm basic. I'm kind of boring. I'm kind of simple. I'm kind of cheesy. And I like it that way. I don't want to fucking have this crazy topsy-turvy life anymore. I just want to be fucking boring with my horses and my dogs and my cats. And I just want to be fucking left alone forever. Like basically... <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So I think I'm us, still on the. You're on, on the JC Lee. Gu I'm on the diet. level. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I need to get more horse meat in my diet. I've got plenty <laughs> of rainbows and puppies. Oh, yeah. We do have rainbows and puppies here. Yeah. They're delicious. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a little bit shorter, but I just wanted to kind of wrap up with God, the fucking nicest person in the world, JC Lee Dugard. I, I'm sick of her. I, I got to say, I'm also still on one day at a time as far as planning. I'm like a goldfish over here. <laughs> it's a good thing I got you. Yeah, I'm at the one year at a time constantly. I'm so tired. Anyways, well, we're, we're going to be going to Mexico this week, so we're going to pre-record one other episode. We're going to just fucking finally redo Michael Peterson, our garbage person yeah, regurgitated. You, yeah, and we continue with the message, fuck you, Skype. Until um, we need so you that'll, next time. So that'll be coming out. And you've gotten a chance to watch a lot of the staircase, okay, we're too. we're going to be calling you. So there's our kind of uplifting end to J.C. Lee Dugard, the most annoyingly happy person. I don't even... I can't Good say on that you. She, I can't Good say on that, you that for she's being happy. happy. I just... I fucking love her, and it pisses me off. Well, that's a weird way to show love. <laughs> no, it just pisses me off that, like, Philip took that away. Well, he didn't do a good enough job because it yeah. sounds like she's still got some. I know. She's such a fucking nice person. Which is why when she, like, in the book, she's, like, begging people to fucking leave her alone. I'm like, okay, fine. I will stop trying to figure out where you live. It's <laughs> driving up and down the streets of Ojai. <laughs> JC, if you're listening, I'm sorry, and I will keep my wife away from you. <laughs> JC, I love you. <laughs> I won't abduct you. Oh, come on. I won't.
Oh, you said I thought you said you wanted <laughs> no, to. No, 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 no. I just want to abduct her positive energy. Good recovery. Thanks. But no, I don't want to abduct her. No, I, okay, I that's good. She's been through enough. Okay. All right. So if you want to join our Facebook group or you can find us on Facebook under True Crime Dumpster Group. Something Everybody's rather. changing the channel now that you're coming out of the closet with abduction fantasies. I know. No, don't say that. <laughs> I'm cutting this. You can also email us at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com, but no one ever does. That's fine. We don't want to fucking hear from you. Yeah, we're uh, busy. <laughs> you can send us a tweet. We have an Instagram, True Crime Dumpster, and we have a Twitter that Kevin tweets. I tweet like you're, a motherfucker. No, you like, you're just a Twitter observer, aren't you? You like reading other people's stuff. You're into it. Are you, are you into it? Oh my god, Twitter is so annoying. Yeah. No one cares I, what the fuck you people are doing. So that's so a, send us a tweet at TC Dumpster. Yeah. And also truecrimedumpster.com. We're also on Patreon. We have yet to upload an episode, so we're gonna be coming out with some designs. Our good buddy Gurge is gonna be vomiting out some dumpster designs for all you dumpster maniacs and so, so we'll have we'll we'll have details on that stuff yeah. hopefully coming soon there will be things in the work hoping to get some merch done before crime con may 1st through the 2nd in orlando florida so if you're gonna be there send us a line and maybe we can meet up and have you not abduct us yeah we're gonna make big tapestries that you can hang off the back of your lifted truck <laughs> right next to your american flag and your don't tread on me flag Ew. <laughs> I have a good feeling about this. Don't right. tread on me. All right. So join us next time when we keep talking out the trash. Adios. <laughs>